Today on the Matt Walsh Show, uh, more information has come out in the case of the seven-year-old girl who died in the care of Border Patrol. It's becoming clearer and clearer, in my view, that Border Patrol did nothing wrong, but that's not what the left is saying. We'll talk about that. Also, a man competed in the Miss Universe pageant last night. How is that not appropriation? We'll talk about that today on the Matt Walsh Show. Well, we begin today with the tragic story of Jacqueline Call, who's the seven-year-old girl um, who, as it is phrased by the media, died in the in the care of Border Patrol last week. Of course, that's that's true in a literal and um, immediate kind of sense. It is it is literally true that she died in the care of Border Patrol, but it's not necessarily true or evidently true that she died because of Border Patrol. Although that obviously is the conclusion that the media is trying to lead us to. When they phrase it that way in their headlines and everything else, they say a child died in the care of Border Patrol. Obviously, what they're trying to insinuate, what they want you to take away from that is that it was Border Patrol's fault. Um, We were told last week that Jacqueline and her father were detained along a remote stretch of the border with about 160 other people. Jacqueline died hours later at a hospital in Texas. It was originally reported that she was dehydrated and hadn't had anything to eat or drink in several days. The father now disputes that. Um, he says that he he that she was provided for. He had been feeding her, making sure that she was drinking and everything. Um, he also claims that you know this was not a um, an arduous and potentially fatal journey through the desert and everything. Um, He's calling for an investigation into Border Patrol. Now, the hospital that treated her, and actually, let, let's let's back up for a moment. Because it's important to emphasize this, that a hospital was treating her. Um, according to the story that we have now, the girl and her father were picked up on the border. Originally, the child did not appear to be ill. The father even signed a form declaring her to be healthy which is another crucial fact. Now, lawyers for the father are complaining that, that he didn't understand the form because he speaks an obscure Mayan dialect and Spanish is his second language. He doesn't speak English at all. Well, you know, I don't know if he understood the forms or not, but are we, really ex- are we actually expected to have forms in Mayan that we can provide to the people that come across the border? Um. If you come to a country speaking a language that nobody knows in this country, the country that you came to, how can that be the fault of the of the country that you came to? Well, in any case, he he signed the form. Um, hours later, she began vomiting, was having trouble breathing. They airlifted her to a hospital, and tragically, she died there in the hospital. Uh, the hospital says that she likely died from sepsis shock, which is a condition as I understand it, which stems from uh, inflammation in the body, causing lots of catastrophic problems, including organ failure. Um, now, here, here's, an, in, here's an, an interesting note. The Guatemalan consul says that the father told him that he has no complaints about how the Border Patrol treated his daughter. Even though the father's lawyers are calling for an investigation, according to the Guatemalan consul, the father had no complaints. According to him, the father says that... Uh, that Border Patrol did everything they could to save his daughter's life. Um, Border Patrol itself says that they did provide water when they first detained this group. 
And again, when she began vomiting and was having trouble breathing, they revived her twice right there on the spot. She got medical attention, urgent medical attention on the spot. Then they put her, um, then they, they airlifted her to a hospital where tragically she died. Um, is it true that she hadn't been drinking or eating for days and that's what led to this medical emergency? Well, that's what Border Patrol originally said. The father disputes it. I guess we don't know for sure. But w- there are some undisputed facts here, okay? I, d- I don't think... Um, there are some aspects of this story that are, I think, pretty clear to everyone. So here are the und- what I think are the undisputed facts. It's undisputed that the child was only in U.S. custody for a few hours. So nobody is even claiming that she was locked somewhere, being detained for days and days. And then she died, which of course would put a would put an entirely different color on this whole situation. So that's that's undisputed. It was she was in our custody for only a few hours. They did give her medical treatment. They did fly her to a hospital. Nobody disputes that. They did try to save her life. Nobody disputes that. Um, her dire physical condition was not caused by border patrol. It was not you know she was not abused or mistreated in a way that would cause these problems. Nobody's even claiming that. I don't think any of these facts are disputed by anyone. Um, the only, it, it, what we know is that she was detained. She apparently was already in um, a dire medical you know, state, even though that was not immediately apparent and forms were signed saying the contrary, but she was, but she was already in that condition by the time Border Patrol agents got to her, even if it wasn't apparent immediately. Now, did she get to that point of being septic because of the arduous journey across Mexico and a lack of food and water? I don't know. Though It certainly would seem to be a logical conclusion that um, her physical condition must have had something to do with the ordeal that she'd just been through. It's not to get from Guatemala to, to, to the U.S. border. Now, I don't know... I don't know how exactly they they got there. Um, I don't know. I don't think anyone knows except for the father and that group of people what happened along the way. But it certainly is not an easy journey unless you're just getting in an airplane and flying the whole way, which we can assume they did not do. So it's not an easy journey. And if a child comes through that journey and gets to the other end of it and is in this state, I think it's logical to conclude that that must have had something to do with it. Um, but the real question here is now, so we don't know in, in terms of the father's, uh, culpability or, you know, was he caring for his daughter the whole way, making sure that he, she was eating and drinking. He says he was, we don't know that. But the question is, is there any re- based on the information we have now, is there actually any reason at all to think that this was the fault of border patrol? Do we have any basis upon which to hang that conclusion. And I would say again, no. But that, of course, has not stopped the left from drawing these conclusions anyway. In fact, there's an editorial um, on the NBC News website by Julio Varela with the title, uh, Jacqueline calls death at the Mexico border is our fault, not her father's. And I want to read you a little bit of this because I think it's pretty representative of the consensus on the left when it comes to this issue. Um, It says, a seven-year-old Guatemalan girl 
named Jacqueline Amin Rosemary Call McKean died last week in the custody of U.S. Customs and Border Protection. And the Trump administration has chosen to blame the victim and her father for the death. Now, that's just a lie. And I've seen this on Twitter. I've seen this on social media. This, uh, well, Trump and the Trump administration, they're victim blaming. No, they're not. Nobody has blamed the girl for her own death. I have not seen that anywhere. No one in the Trump administration has said that. Nobody has blamed the girl. So that is just a, a, a straightforward lie. That's all that is. Um, it goes on. This is the nation that Trump has created, a country that continues to dehumanize and criminalize Central American migrants without any sense of compassion or explanation for the root causes of why people are fleeing their countries in the first place. Even if I were to agree with that paragraph, which I don't, it has nothing at all to do with um, the fact that this poor girl died. It has nothing to do with it. According to the Trump administration, her death was her fault, and it was her dad's fault, even though government officials confirmed that after being held for several hours in a remote um, border patrol station. Jacqueline was put on a bus for 90 minutes to be transferred to a larger border station for processing before getting into any emergency medical care for her symptoms, which included vomiting. By the time a bus had stopped, so had her breathing. A child is dead, and the current administration shows no remorse. There's that lie again, uh, that, that the Trump administration is saying that her death was her fault. Where was that said? Who, who said that? Who has said that? Can you give me the quote? It goes on a little later. Immediate care didn't really apply to Jacqueline's situation. The place where she and her father turned themselves into CBP had no medical care providers and, as the secretary noted, wasn't staffed to handle the 163 people uh, who arrived that day. And the idea that Border Patrol is some welcoming force when migrants surrender themselves to the agency is just not true. So what would this person have us do? What would the left have us do? We have to be equipped to handle any amount of people anywhere on the border at any time. We have to have a team of doctors on standby stationed across the border ready to conduct full physicals of every person who comes across immediately. You know, I'm not making a straw man here. This is really what this person expects. This must be what they expect. Um, the family was detained. They were given a medical survey. They said they were fine. They were, they were held for a few hours, and then they were put on a bus. Nothing about that is unreasonable. That's an exceedingly reasonable way of dealing with this situation. Uh, if When you have a whole group of 160 people who are trying to cross the border illegally, initially anyway, if you want to find out if any of them are sick or if there's anything wrong, all you can do is ask them. Obviously, you can't. You can't perform full medical exams on all of them right there on the spot. Um, then when the child started vomiting, she received medical attention. If you have a problem with that chain of events, if there's something here that seems unreasonable to you, then you must really expect that immediate and full medical attention should be provided to everyone who crosses the border right away, no matter where they are and no matter if they ask for medical attention or not, which of course is crazy. Well, the author of the article complains that, yes, they did sign forms attesting to their health, but that wasn't good enough. Um, the article says, and though the government has argued that Jacqueline's father was asked to sign forms attesting to their health, the, fathers are, the forms are presented in English or Spanish. Jacqueline's father speaks Kaekchi, um, an indigenous language of the region, and may not speak Spanish at all. Okay, so 
now we have to have forms in Ka'ekji. That's, we, we are required to have forms in Ka'ekji. That's a language spoken by a few hundred thousand people on the entire planet Earth. Okay, There are literally hundreds of indigenous languages still spoken in Central and South America today. Are we supposed to have forms in each of those languages? And, and how, will, how are we supposed to know which language group is crossing at, which, at what time and where? Should Border Patrol literally carry around with them at all times hundreds of forms in, in hundreds of different languages? And how are they supposed to know which, la- which form to give to which person? They don't speak the language. So I guess we're going to need hundreds of translators for hundreds of languages carrying hundreds of forms across thousands of miles of borders. That, I mean, that's what, if you, if you are blaming Border Patrol for not having a, a, a medical form written in a, in a mostly extinct Mayan language to give to this family, if you're blaming them, then this must really be what you expect. You must expect that they'll have a form in every Central and South American language that every Border Patrol agent will have on them at all times. Um, and that, obviously, is simply insane. Now, here's the point. When you have an influx of thousands of illegal immigrants from dozens of countries speaking hundreds of languages streaming across thousands of miles of border with no regard at all for our laws, there is just no perfect or even near perfect or even uh, totally sufficient way of dealing with the problem. You know, we are being put in a literally impossible situation. So it is very easy to sit in your house and insist that we should have the ability to recognize if any person who crosses the border is sick, even if they don't tell us. And then we should have the ability to immediately provide them with medical treatment um, right there on the spot in the middle of the desert. It's easy to say that, but if you actually apply your brain to the situation, which I'm afraid the left does not often do when it comes to the to, to illegal immigration or, frankly, so many other issues as well. But if you do that, if you just stop for a minute to think about it, think about it on a practical level. And, you know, and I think that, that liberals often have a problem with it. They, they often struggle to think of things practically. Okay? Put all the, I, I know, you know, you could sit there and say, oh, it would be so nice if this and that. It would be nice. It really would. But let's just think of it practically. Um. On a, on, a, on a real world kind of basis. And if you do that, you will see that um, though it's easy to say that we should be equipped everywhere and always to deal with situations like, uh, like this one, it's easy to say that, but it's actually impossible to do. We are in an impossible situation. Um, and that's just it. And when you're put in an in, 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 in impossible situation, then it's just all you can do is make the best of it. And it sounds to me, again, based on maybe there's maybe there are details here that will change everything. And we just we haven't been told those details. yet. Maybe uh, I, I kind of doubt it, but maybe all we can do is go based on the information that we have information that, that most of which is not actually sus- disputed by anyone. In fact, I'm not even the liberals who are blaming, and even after reading this this article and and many others that are making this case, 
and seeing all these liberals blaming Border Patrol, I'm not actually sure what, it's not clear to me what exactly they're blaming Border Patrol for. In their minds, what did what did Border Patrol do wrong? What would they have them do instead? I, that still isn't clear to me. You know, I'm talking about these undisputed facts. What are the disputed facts? For all the leftists, what what's your point here? What do you? What would you have them do? Can you do, do you do you have a suggestion? If it's not something as crazy as the the situation that I just outlined, um, that would require an army of tens of thousands of translators carrying millions of forms, patrolling thousands of miles of border. If that's not what you're talking about, then what are you talking about? If you're looking at this, you know, on again practical terms, real world, how should this have been dealt with? Because it seems to me, based on what we know, that it was dealt with as as well as it could be. They were given water. They were asked, "Is anyone sick?" They were told no. They had to wait for a few hours for a bus to show up. They're in the middle of you know a remote stretch of 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 the border. Things take time, so they had to wait. They put them on a bus. It was only a ninety-minute ride, and then when it was clear she was in a she was in a, she was in a bad medical state, they they gave her treatment. I mean, it's, what else are they supposed to do? But this is the story, especially when it comes to immigration and the left, that they're full of criticisms and they're full of complaints, but they never have any suggestions for a better way of handling it. They never do, and that's the way it always goes. All right, so uh, I want you to recall this past Halloween, and there was a raging debate online, just as there was the year before, and there's a version of this debate every year, of course, but there was a, there was a raging debate about whether it was cultural appropriation for little white girls to wear Moana costumes. Um, and the general feeling among many liberals, of course, is that uh, was and is that, uh, that yes, it is appropriation. That white girls should not wear Moana costumes. It's appropriation for your eight-year-old daughter to wear a Disney costume. Why? Because Moana, the fictional character, is in that fantasy world Polynesian. And if your daughter is not Polynesian, then she is appropriating a, um, a fictional character's uh, ethnicity. Now, I want you to hold that thought in your mind for a moment as we consider the Miss Universe pageant last night. Okay, Miss Philippines, I believe, won the competition. Um, but so congratulations to her. But the big news, the thing that got all the attention, is that Miss Spain, Miss Spain, was the first ever transgender Miss Universe con- uh, contestant. That is, he was the first man to compete in this women's competition. Which brings me back to a point that I feel I have to repeat 10 times a week um, because I just can't, I, I, I can't help myself and I can't let them get away with this kind of thing without pointing out the irony and hypocrisy of it. If, if appropriation is even a thing at all, then this has to be appropriation, right? And this is not just a man competing in Miss Universe. This is not just an example of appropriation. Um, This isn't just one version of appropriation. 
This is quintessential appropriation. This is what the word appropriation was invented to describe. A man traipsing around in a bikini, claiming to be a woman, intruding on a female competition, in the process depriving a real woman of the chance to be Miss Universe, and also taking the attention and spotlight away from all the real women who are competing. Miss Philippines is not getting all the headlines today. The headlines is going to, uh, to Miss Spain, who's not even a Miss. See, th- the thing about um, the kind of appropriation that your daughter supposedly does with her Disney costume is that she's not directly hurting or affecting anyone. Okay. Uh, It's not like she dressed up as Moana. So that means that some Polynesian girl can't. Okay. Maybe you'd have a case. Maybe there'd be a case. If there was only one Moana costume in the world, just one. And, uh, and a, a little white girl from Nebraska scooped it up so that a Polynesian girl couldn't have it, then maybe you'd almost have a case of appropriation there. Because that's what appropriation is. When, when you appropriate something, you are, it's not, you, you're not just taking part in it or participating. Because if all you're doing is participating or taking part, then it's just participation. It's not appropriation, okay? There's a difference between participation and appropriation. And so much of what we call appropriation is actually merely just participation. It's just a person partaking in this thing. To appropriate means that you are depriving someone else of something that is rightfully theirs. You are taking it away from them. Okay, and and so most of what we call cultural appropriation is not cultural. It's not appropriation of any kind because it's not being taken away from anyone. If a white person listens to rap music, uh, they aren't taking anything away from black people. In fact, if anything, they're contributing. They're contributing. Uh, I mean, the rap industry is 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 kept afloat in large part by white people who who pay money for this music. So they're not taking anything. Um, but in this case, and with the appropriation of womanhood, so often there is something actually being taken away from women. Okay, so this guy is taking is, is literally taking the place of a real woman, which means that some real woman in Spain couldn't have that spot. There can only be, for, for each, uh, I'm pretty sure this is how the beauty pageants work, right? Miss Universe, there can only be one representative of each country. And... Presumably, there are many beauty pageants, uh, many beautiful, actual women in Spain, and none of them were allowed to be Miss Spain and compete and for, for a chance to be Miss Universe because they gave that spot to a man. So something was really being taken away from a woman in that case. And on top of that, he's also getting the media attention, which, um, uh, w- which means a bunch of real women will not. He's appropriating some of the spotlight and the media attention that should be going to the winner of the competition, who's a real woman. And that's how it works with the appropriation of womanhood. That's the difference. It is real appropriation because something is being taken from women. Whether it's a spot in a beauty pageant, or it's a gold medal in a track meet, or it's privacy in the bathroom, something is being taken from women. It's not just participation. 
if a man decide, you know, wants to cross-dress in his house and put on a, a blouse or something and walk around, that's not... I guess we wouldn't really call that the, the, the appropriation of womanhood necessarily um, because nothing in that private situation is being taken from women. But the moment that men insist on actually being counted as women publicly and in, these, and in competitions and in these formal environments and when they insist on going into women's bathroom, women's locker room, so on and so forth, now it is pro-appropriation because you are taking something from women. Maybe a better, uh, a better um, analogy here of what real cultural appropriation uh, or ethnic or racial appropriation would be. Imagine if, um, for some reason, uh, some white woman from Delaware was participated in Miss Universe as uh, as Miss Nigeria. Okay, imagine that it was a. Well, I think in that situation, everybody would be there would be outrage across across the world at this kind of appropriation that this white white woman doesn't even live in the country is you know gets to compete and be Miss Nigeria. We would all consider that cultural appropriation. And that would really be cultural because she's taking she is she is taking that spot from an actual Nigerian woman. And so in that case, although very often I don't get on board with the racial cultural appropriation, in that case I would say, yeah, you know what? There's appropriation. Well, this is the exact same sort of thing. But I would I would argue it's even more insidious. Because on top of the appropriation, there is the as I always talk about, there is the cheapening um, of womanhood that happens as well with this kind of stuff. Where a guy uh, can put on a bikini and shave his legs or whatever um, and walk down the runway and we say, oh, it's a woman. Well, on what? So, so that's all a woman is to you? That's what you're saying. That You're saying that that's all a woman is. All a woman is is just a, a, a person in a bikini, and, and that's it. That's, you know, you have reduced womanhood down to a bikini, which is the exact opposite of what feminists have been saying and arguing and supposedly fighting for for decades now. So on top of the appropriation, there is the degradation and the cheapening of womanhood that happens as well. And you might say that is another thing that's being taken from woman, women. And so that is another way that women are actually being hurt by this. While I don't think anyone is actually hurt, if a, if a white frat guy wants to put on a Native American headdress uh, on Halloween, um, I don't, no one is actually being hurt by that. Not, nothing is being taken from anyone. But in this case, people are being hurt and something is actually being taken away. All, if you're on the left, all you have to do is just take your own principles, your own arguments, just take them intact and simply apply them to these kinds of situations and see what happens. Because when you do that, you're going to find out that we're actually on the same side when it comes, or we should be on the same side. 
when it comes to this uh, transgender stuff. All right, we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks for watching. Everybody, thanks for listening. Godspeed. Coming up on The Ben Shapiro Show, President Trump goes after his personal attorney, Michael Cohen, a wrecked battle breaks out over border funding, and Obamacare takes a serious hit in the courts. That's coming up on The Ben Shapiro Show.